Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we are continuing our Understanding God's Word series, Part 6, Prophecy and Revelation. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, listeners. Hey, Brian, how are you doing, man? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. Just uh, here, we've been talking and complaining about our... Our physical ailments yes. recently. We've been in a new workout program that is kicking our, our behinds. That's right. And, and so we're we're nursing all of our wounds, mm-hmm. but yep. we're going to so. have to, we're feeling age, yes. you know, age is a thing that you cannot escape, but yeah. I like to just say we just went too hard, you know, we were just way too, way too gung ho. But which, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. Never, <laughs> never, never surrender. So anyways, but other than that, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm excited to be back here and working through this series. So mm-hmm. part six. So we've just got a couple of episodes left in this series. And wow. I tell you, it has been, uh, I've really enjoyed it. I It's one of our <clears throat> deeper yeah. series, I think. And I don't want to say deeper. It's, 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 um, just been, harder. I yeah, mean, there's a lot of study, a lot uh-huh. of research, and then you know some of the concepts can be difficult to understand. So yeah. thank you, listeners, for sticking with us mm-hmm. through all of this because um, we know that this stuff can get there's a little bit a of little like heady minutia that you have yeah. to kind of work through. Yeah. I really think it's beneficial though. One of the things that you know is very helpful when you look at God's word. You know, as you grow as a Christian, it's not just reading the Bible for devotional. Right. That, that is good, but it's also study. Yeah. And we're going to talk about in our last episode what it means to study the Bible, but all of this stuff is kind of leading up to helping you think through, to interpret, and then to study God's Word. And mm-hmm. this will this will help you to grow in your faith in amazing ways. Like, you know, when we say read God's Word, there's a way to read it and you just kind of read it. Right. And then there's a way to read it where you're studying it and you're well, looking at it and you're understanding what's happening. Yeah. As I was looking at one of our resources, they said like, you don't read a textbook, you know, just read through it and expect to know what it said. Right. You got to like study it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good point. You know, there's, there's times where, you know, you need to really study what the Bible is actually saying. And many times, and we'll see here in this episode, You've got to have some experts tell you a little bit more about the background because I right. mean it's it's ancient literature. Right. But, um, that said, it is written uh, and it is given to us by God, so it, it is for us and it is relevant to our That's lives. That's right. We just gotta we just gotta actually like listen to it. You know, we gotta we gotta get into it. That's right. So, yeah. Well, before um, we get started, we want to remind people to subscribe to the pod. Uh, if you want to give us a review, that would be helpful to us. If you want to share with your friends, that would also be helpful. You can send any feedback to our email address, F4L, the letter F, the number four, the letter L, at oakhillbc.org. We would love to hear from any listeners with comments, suggestions. We know a few of you have commented actually on the um, episodes themselves, so you yeah. can do that as well. Yeah. And we're we read those, and we're happy to um, to get those comments as well. Yeah, so thank you guys for for that uh, feedback. And like we said, we're in this uh, series, and today what we're going to be talking about is prophecy and revelation. Ooh. This is one that people have been interested in for a long time. I don't know if it's such a hot topic with with everybody nowadays, but you know, growing up, I remember that this was a this was a very big big topic. Now, mm-hmm. our pastor, when I was a kid, uh, did this Sunday night series on the book of Revelation. I, I think he did it, 
it seemed like 20 years, but yeah. it was, no, <laughs> it was probably like a year or yeah. two years mm-hmm. or something. And, um, I remember hearing a, that for whatever reason, I remember uh, hearing that and, um, you know, hearing about revelation and, and being confused by it, not right. understanding it all because there's a lot of great imagery in there, but this has been a, a, a very big topic throughout my years of, oh, yeah. of growing I up. I recently got a mailer, you know, in the mail about this, you know, person or group going around doing talks about prophecy and oh, revelation. Oh, yeah. That's and the local so, Seventh-day Adventist church. They do yeah. a lot with prophecy, mostly to get you to join their cult. Right. But, you know, yes. that's how they get that's you true. in. That's true. By the way, if you get a mailer in the, if you get a mailer about mm-hmm. prophecy, nine times out of ten, it's going to be Seventh-day Adventist, that's and true. they're trying to get you to join their cult. So, yeah. so watch out. Know what you're, know what you're looking watch at. Watch out. Um, yeah, this is, this, this is primarily going to be about prophecy and you know we've talked about revelation uh and we will talk more about that but you know it's funny that this idea of prophecy is really important for us to understand what prophecy is um how it works you know what what it's actually doing in the bible because like you said it it is such a hot topic and i think that when we look at it it, when you ask somebody what prophecy is most of the time they they immediately start saying something like, well, it's, you know, telling the future. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to see as we go get into this is that that's, that's not actually Mm -hmm. the right way to think about prophecy. And so we're going to, we're going to explain what we mean here. So let's jump into this Mm -hmm. and wreck, you know, let's talk about what prophecy is. Okay. There's more books of, of prophecy than any other heading, you know, as far as number of books. Yeah. And uh, you have four major prophets and 12 minor prophets. And major and minor just means the amount of writing that they that they had. So it's not that... Yeah, the major ones are bigger books. It's not that Habakkuk was less important than right. Isaiah. It just right. means that uh, the books are smaller. Right. It's, and th- it'd be if we said the big prophets and the little prophets. Right. And then I'll make this note as well. The, the Some of the Bible uh, is not in chronological order. Some of it is. But some of it's not. The prophets, the prophecy books of the Old Testament are not in chronological order. They're in right. order from largest to smallest. Right. So they have Isaiah and Jeremiah, and then they'll go through to the smallest prophet. And the last one, uh, I think, I do think Malachi happens to be the last yes, prophet. Yes, Malachi is, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, not, but that's just, his book is also one of the mm-hmm. shortest in there. And mm-hmm. so a lot uh, of them overlap. A lot of them are written at the same, some, some of them are written at the same time. Yes. As the other if ones. you read, if you see a timeline yeah. of this, it's helpful to understand some of them were the, for the Northern kingdom, some of them, the Southern kingdom. Yeah. And you know, it's very helpful to understand like the timeline of, of all of yeah. this, but don't think like I'm going to start with Isaiah and I'm going to read through the chronological mm-hmm. Of the pro- of the prophets because that's not how it, it works. doesn't exactly work that like like yeah. that sometimes it does but not always so right. it's helpful I know in my Bible it has like a you know uh, the dating of it in yes. the front of it I love that it's just so helpful like okay this is you know at this time frame right um so yeah it it seems this mysterious genre because like we said it's like this future telling sort of thing and there is future telling in prophecy but that's not primarily what's about. But once you start talking about future telling, you immediately think about revelation, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, revelation is a type of prophecy, but it also has its own particular characteristics. And, you know, as we were looking at our resources, it's funny, different people treat it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And I think our main resource, uh, the uh, the Stein book, uh, what is it? I, I've got my notes 
way down low. Hold on. Yeah. The, it's how uh, to read the Bible. No, a no, no. Guide. It's a basic guide to interpreting the Bible. <laughs> Correct. Um, by Stein. And uh, he his take is that Revelation is essentially a just a type of prophecy. Right. So he kind of treats it just well, and the there's, same. And there's prophecy in the New Testament, not just in Revelation. Right. That's the primary book. Or, or in the pro, you know, in these books there's called prophecy. prophecy in the Gospels, yep. in the Epistles. You there's, know, there's prophecy in Genesis. Right. There's things throughout the whole Bible that we could call prophetic. We are going to key in primarily on the the writings of the mm-hmm. prophets and the book of Revelation. That's kind of where we're keying in today. But I think all of what we're going to say applies to any of the yeah. prophetic writings think, in the yes. Bible. So I tend to think that Revelation is more like just a normal, like every other type yes. of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does. I do think it has some unique characteristics that are important to help understand what John was saying in the book of Revelation. But again, I think it's primarily prophecy. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think I think there is a little bit of difference because it's New Testament prophecy mm-hmm. versus Old Testament. And there is a difference there. However, I think the viewpoint, you know, we are we are like the Israelites that are receiving prophecy, you know, as the Israelites receive prophecy from say Jeremiah, mm-hmm. they're looking into the future and seeing what what God is telling them what's going to happen to them and yes. how, how he's going to you know, you know the, for instance, the exile of Babylon. Right. You know they're looking right. at it forward, right. not, Whereas not, we not from behind. Are, you know we're yeah we're looking at it from behind, mm-hmm. looking back and saying, oh, we can see God's hand, we can see Him yeah. working, all that stuff. Well, I think for us, Revelation is the same thing. We're yeah. looking forward, yeah. not knowing exactly how that's all going to work out. Yep. And so it's it's a lot of the perspective on the backside of when Revelation is fulfilled, then we will look back and say. Oh, I can see God's hand. I can yeah. see how he worked. It's, I can see how all that came together. It's the same as like the first coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Like, right. like and Jesus came and he was like, you should have seen this when right. you, you should have recognized this when you saw it because of what scripture has been saying. And when Jesus comes again, you know, we might not be able to say, we, we definitely can't say like, here is exactly when Jesus is coming. Right. But when he comes, we'll be able to look at everything and be like, aha, yep, I knew that because I've been paying attention to what his word said. I just, exactly. you know, but now I can see it. Exactly. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But first to really understand what prophecy is, um, this was helpful from one of our other resources. We've got to understand its function and its form. So, like, what is the purpose of proper prophecy, and then how does the how does it actually meet its purpose? Mm-hmm. Right. So, what's its function, mm-hmm. and what's its form? Yeah. So, yeah, Stein says that a prophet was understood more as a foreteller of the divine message than a foreteller of future events. His ministry was more concerned with proclamation than with prediction. I think that to me, I I remember when I first understood this Mm -hmm. changed everything. Yeah. Once I realized that, you know, the prophets were primarily concerned with proclaiming God's words, Mm -hmm. then about telling the future. That was when I realized like what I was actually reading. Right. right. Well, and we know that the Bible condemns um, like, like magic and, and, divine arts, yeah, witchcraft, things yeah. like that. And so God would not then tell his prophets that you're going to engage in this type of thing. No, right. he's telling them that they're not like sitting around a crystal ball. Right. Like, God, what's the prophecy you have for us today? What's, you know, God is clearly conveying a message of, of promises and of a, a message to call his people back to him yeah. in many times. And so uh, he's saying what, what is going to happen 
uh, and in many cases, it's it's what's going to happen if you don't obey me, or mm-hmm. what could happen if you do obey me. Yeah, type thing. that's exactly. Yeah, we're yeah. It's it's pretty astonishing how a lot of prophecy is actually just uh, uh, really kind of a repeat of what we've already mm-hmm. talked about with covenant and yeah. law and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but now now that we know that prophecy, it does it does tell the future some, right? I yes. mean, there is future telling. Right. What's interesting is most of that has already, for us, as we read it, most of the prophecy that tells the future has already been fulfilled, mm-hmm. right? There there are a few places in, you know, Old Testament, Old Testament prophecy especially mm-hmm. that are talking about the end times, uh, but the vast majority of prophecy was talking about something that was future to those people that has already been accomplished mm-hmm. to, in our time, like, Right, like yes. you're talking about the Babylonian mm-hmm. exile. So yeah. now that we know that, you know, how does that change the way we think about what the prophets are saying? Yeah, I think it's important to realize, just like in in all hermeneutics, that uh, the the authors, the prophets, had a particular message for the people at that time. So the, God's word is definitely relevant and useful to us today. But in when we think about interpretation, we think about finding the meaning. We have to be guided by who wrote the book and who they wrote it to first. Yeah. Our first thought should not be, uh, how does this apply to me? It should right. be, how does, what did God mean in that context to those people at that time? And that, yeah. that's all of hermeneutics. Yeah. That's everything. That, so. Yeah, it really is because, because you don't have to guess what it, what it means to you. You don't right. have to guess and try to, especially with prophecy, it seems so, you know, like, Oh man, this is so mysterious. What does this mean to me? Right. Well, really all you got to do is focus on what it meant to the original audience. Right. And then you can understand what it means to you. And so that's what we're trying to do with prophecy. And uh, and so we then need to ask the question, what are the prophets saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, our other resource by Fee and Stewart uh, is really helpful. They give us, uh, th- you know, a few, three different things that help us understand what the prophets are actually mm. doing mm-hmm. when they do prophecy. Um, so the first one here is, uh, here's a quote. It's, they say, the prophets were covenant enforcement mediators mm, yeah that's good yeah this is this to me i was reading this and i was just like wow this well we this talked about so that key. in our last episode uh-huh. well i don't know if it'll be the last one according to our listeners ago, we yeah. recorded it last week yeah but um it's it's interesting because we talked about the the covenantal nature mm-hmm. of of the bible and specifically of god between his people mm-hmm. and so this makes a lot of sense if if they are breaking the covenant God is calling them back to the covenant and giving them uh, grace in that and telling them what, reminding them of the blessings and the curses and, you know, helping them to see, you know, it's for instance, like these exiles, the Northern kingdom is Mm -hmm. destroyed first by the Assyrians and then the Southern kingdom by the Babylonians. And it's because they walked away from God. It's because they chased after idols and false gods. Yeah. They did not keep the covenant. This was what was interesting. I was reading about this and, you know, they were talking about how you, you look at the Bible and the majority of the prophecy, like you're just saying, is in those times of the mm-hmm. you know the exile and Assyrian army and Babylonian army, all that stuff, because they had broken the covenant. But uh, Fee and Stewart draw out the fact that, like, so does that mean there were not prophets before then? 
Mm-hmm. No, actually, there were a bunch of prophets before then. We see, you know, Nathan with David. We see Elijah and Elisha. But we don't have their writings. We have writings about them in the narratives of the kings, but we don't have the writings of, of their writings because we find the prophets in, you know, from Isaiah and on, they are calling out the whole nation of Israel for the breaking of the covenant. Mm-hmm. So it's like this big thing that God is saying, you've... You've abandoned me, right? And this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you've you've known about this ever since Moses, mm-hmm. and now I'm explaining it. You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. so they're the ones. The prophets are the ones who conveyed to God's people the specific ways that the curses of the covenant were going to be delivered to them if they did not repent. Right. Yeah. We also see that the prophets' message was not their own. So usually we got to remember that these prophets were called by God. Sometimes in sometimes they were reluctant mm-hmm. because they had to deliver difficult messages to God's people and they were not popular. I will say that there was so so the office of prophet was used and abused by by many people. Yes. Okay. So we see um there were false prophets that would gain favor with a king by delivering uh, favorable messages all right. of the time right. and telling the king whatever he wanted we, to hear. We see that today. <laughs> right, exactly. And the reason that some of these prophets were not popular is because they were giving God's message, not not an earthly man-made message that right. would appease a king. Right. They were telling these kings... Like, what, like what's up? Like, <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> some pretty, yeah, some pretty, yeah. Real, some pretty real stuff. And so I think it's important to realize this message was from God. Yeah. That's why, you know, they, it, many times, you know, thus says the Lord, yes. or the Lord said to me, or go and tell them this. And and it's amazing, you know, that is key. And, and that's what, like in church, when we say things like the word of God says, you know, when a pastor is preaching, he is doing this proclamation of God's word. And that's why it's so important to make sure he's preaching the Bible um, because it's not his message. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be God's message. Right. And, and exactly. that message goes to anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of a, a challenging, maybe a comforting reality. Do you, do you find it challenging or comforting knowing that God has a message and it doesn't matter who you are, like he's going to, he's going to say it to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important. You know, we think about, uh, the, the word prophet is used even for, as, uh, as a, as a pastor, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? In the new Testament, meaning that you're not a fortune teller, you know, this has been abused by the church as well, right. but you're a, you're a truth teller here, yeah. you know, you're, you're speaking God's word. And so the prophets of old and the, and the prophet, the prophet that we're, we're speaking of as a preacher mm-hmm. is doing essentially the same thing. Yeah. We, and it's comforting to know, like when I stand in the pulpit and preach, it's not, it's not Brian's message. Right. It's God's message, you know, and I'm, I'm have the privilege and honor to, to convey that. And, you know, like oftentimes I'm not intentionally trying, I'm not speaking at any one person, right. but you'll have people come up and be like, uh, you, yeah. th- that was that was directed towards me, you know, or, or thinking God spoke directly at me. Well, that's that's God's Holy Spirit. That's how God works. I- intermingling with his word. Yeah, most of the time he speaks to me as I'm preaching his word. I'm preaching to me too. Right. It's really cool how God does that. So know? I'd say, yes, it's comforting because it's God's message. It's challenging. And also it can be a little scary sometimes, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think I'm sure these prophets, they conveyed that emotion throughout their uh, different oh, prophets yeah. did not want to... Um, give the message i'm thinking of daniel or mm-hmm. i'm sorry i'm thinking of jonah for instance you know uh is one that that didn't want to give the message because 
Yeah. Like he knew he knew, he knew how God would be. Yeah, that's right. We'll see that as well. Yeah, it's really I, I'm comforted and challenged by the fact that the message comes from God. And it's important to recognize, you know, uh, to pay attention to uh, false prophets mm-hmm. speaking their own language. But that's the thing. You know, the prophet's message was not original. Right. Our third mm-hmm. uh, aspect of what the prophets are saying. Mm-hmm. The prophet's message is not original. Okay. Here's a quote from Fee and Stewart. It says, The prophets were inspired by God to present the essential content of the covenant's warnings and promises, mm-hmm. the cursing and blessing. Therefore, when we read the prophet's words, what we read is nothing genuinely new, but the same message, in essence, delivered by God originally through Moses. You know, this is something that I have said ever since I felt called to ministry. You know, the pastor has to work really hard to say the same thing in uh, in new, not well, new and engaging ways, because mm-hmm. he shouldn't say anything new. Nothing, nothing really original is being said mm-hmm. by the pastor. Um, he's just gotta, he's just gotta keep bringing it to our minds, right. and reminding us. Um, and so, what do you think about that? You know, how, how does that affect the way we understand what we're reading? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree um, that you know, once again, we're we're it's going back to. Uh, God's word. It's going back to His message. It's going back to His overall, uh, this grand narrative. Yeah, you know. And then of course we we talked about how there's a grand narrative. There's a there's a you know middle narrative and mm-hmm. then the smaller kind of kind of narrative. And so all of the prophecy fits within that as well. Yeah. And you can even see it like prophecies are specifically for that that situation in that time, but they also fit in the larger grand narrative. Yeah. And so God. God is doing all of this, orchestrating all of this, and I think it's important to realize that, understand that. Well, and it's funny, you know, like you just take Isaiah and Jeremiah. I just I just read Isaiah, and now I'm starting in Jeremiah, and and if you don't pay attention to what they're actually doing, you see, what's funny is their message sounds the same. Mm. You know, you read them, and it's like, mm. you know, judgment. You've you know you've you've uh, been. Uh, idolatrous and right. adulterous and all this other stuff, you know, and it's like, wow, it's basically the same thing, but it's not right. Isaiah was writing to primarily to the Northern kingdom of Israel about mm-hmm. the Assyrian army. Okay. Right. This was before like a hundred or so years before Jeremiah comes in. Now Isaiah did talk about Babylon. So mm-hmm. he was for, he was telling forth to that. And then Jeremiah picks up when it's Babylon's turn to come into the Southern kingdom of Judah mm-hmm. after the Northern kingdom is basically gone. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh it's interesting. The message is basically the same, but what is new is the way the message is being delivered and who the message is be- being delivered to. Yeah, you do see similar themes throughout. You know, it's like um, one of the one of the great stories is with um, is it is it Haggai that has to marry the prostitute Gomer? Yeah. Um, yes. You know that is a metaphor mm-hmm. for God's love for His people that have prostituted themselves to idols. Yeah. Same message. That's right. It's a new. There's a new and a different way God is using this poor prophet. I know. <laughs> okay, God, I guess. <laughs> but 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 what a, what a strong example and image of of a reiteration of that same message. God loves you. God wants you as a part of His family. But yet you have walked away and ran away, but yet I will still redeem you as your father, as yeah. your Lord. Yeah, man, it's it's awesome to see God doing that. So that's that's the function of the pro- of prophecy is to really call people, God's people back to the covenant that they have been 
disregarding, disobeying, and to tell them what's going to happen if they don't. And uh, and so it, it's it's applied to specific people at specific times um, in in big ways. And so now what we want to talk about is the form. Yeah, of let's this. get into some of the. Details yeah, this here. is where we really get in. Yeah, the details. So here's some the way I broke this out because there's just so much here, guys. Mm-hmm. There's so much here. The way I broke this out is there's there's these kind of big major elements of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, these are things you're gonna see in almost all of the prophetic writing. You'll you'll read just kind of elements to it. So the first thing is this, and this is helpful. We've we've mentioned this mm-hmm. judgment prophecies are conditional. Mm. Okay. We keep saying the words, you know, if they don't repent, mm-hmm. right? Because as Stein says, one of the rules prophetic writers shared with their readers is that judgment prophecies always assume that if the hearers repent, the judgment will not take place. This was part of the norms of language involving judgment prophecies. Yeah, that's one of the things I think I said it in the Laws and Covenants that it was that rhyme, if the people repent, God will relent. Yes, exactly. That's a common theme throughout prophecy as well. Yep, and so sometimes what you'll see in prophecy is God saying, I'm going to destroy this city, but then it doesn't happen, and you're like, oh, like that oh, that prophet was wrong, you know? The prophet went in and said that God's going to do this, but then it didn't happen. Oh, no. No, it's because the people listened, mm-hmm. you know? Think of Jonah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Jonah, yeah, I, you pulled out this text here, Jonah 4, where it says, Jonah 1, uh, verses 1 and 2, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. So he went and he preached, mm-hmm. the begrudgingly preached yeah, the God word. forced him he to go. He basically said, you're going to die. Yeah, exactly. God's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, they're like, oh shoot, we better, we better do something. So right. that they repented. The people heard that harsh, harsh message and mm-hmm. repented. And then it says here, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord, said, Oh Lord, it is is not this what I said when I was in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So he knew. That if this message was yeah. received and those people would repent, that God would relent. He would not bring that judgment. That was the norm of language right. to the prophet at the time. And we see that happen. I mean, that's a clear example of how that does happen. Yeah. Now, what what's most often the case is people didn't repent, and so the judgment came. Right. Right. That's why the Assyrian army wiped out Israel, and that's why the Babylonians did take take Judah into captivity. Right. Because they did not repent. Right. So there's that. <laughs> you got to love Jonah. He just, he's real and honest. I know. Like he was angry, like, God, oh, <laughs> I knew you would do this. <laughs> yep. And you can't help but be, you know, you, you just kind of listen to him. Why do you love these you're like, sinners? You're like, yeah, I feel that way. But then the, obviously that's the lesson. Like, don't be like Jonah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, here's the other major element. One of the other major elements of prophetic writing is that the there's figurative language, like the figurative nature mm-hmm of prophetic yeah much of the prophetic language is metaphorical so it it, it sometimes refers to the same event or time frame with seemingly different metaphors that are actually presenting sort of the same idea do you have an an example here so let me look at this so isaiah uh chapter 34 nope wrong one isaiah 11 Mm -hmm. uh this is listen to what this says okay so it's talking about a messianic time frame okay it says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them 
The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. So all these like, wow. And, and we, we, you know, we have like plaques that have these, you know, quotes on them and everything. And, uh, and it's really encouraging. And we think to ourselves, okay, you know, this is going to, this is going to be amazing. We're going to have all these wonderful relationships with animals and stuff. But then listen to this in Isaiah 35. Same author, just a little bit later, he says, talking about the same time frame, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. Then it says this, no lion shall be there, nor shall there be ravenous beasts come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's going to be a bunch of animals, and we're all going to be hanging out. Oh, nope, there's no animals. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be any animals there on the way of the Lord. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. This is figurative language. Right, metaphors. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so what he's really doing, and Stein helps us out, he says the medical me- metaphorical language in which this is described may be different. you got wild animals living peaceably or no wild animals being present at all. But what the author sought to convey by this imagery is the same. There will be no more war, no more fighting, no more hostility. There will be peace. So we've got this example there that yeah. shows us how it's just figurative language. Yeah, another example here, Luke uh, 3, 4 through 6. As it is written in the book of the words of the Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Yeah. So it's is this a, literally, like the mountains are literally going to be crushed down. Right. Like this is talking about John the Baptist, right? Right. And, and mm-hmm. Jesus 2,000 years ago. Did did that happen? Mm-hmm. No, no, not literally. He's making it straight and plain. The way of salvation is becomes clear right. to us. Right. Yeah. It's preparing mm-hmm. the people's hearts. That's what it's figuratively describing. Right. There's also this idea of cos- the cosmic language mm-hmm. of prophecy. You know, this is used to, to, to great effect here. And Stein says it was, it was part of imagery and symbolism available to the prophets when they sought God to describe intervention in history and his sovereign rule over the kingdoms of this world. Such imagery was not meant to be interpreted literally. Right, yeah, most of the readers understood when, you know, like, for instance, here's Acts. So New Testament quoting an Old Testament saying this is, has been fulfilled. Okay, Acts uh, 2, 18 through 20, it says, In those days I will pour out my spirit. So they're quoting Joel, chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit, they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. You know, Peter and the other apostles are like, yep, that's right now. That's happening right now. But the blood, the, the, the sun didn't literally blacken out. At the at Pentecost, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're recognizing this language, this mm-hmm. cosmic language, is a is a literary device of the prophets to say that God is doing massive, huge, gigantic things, mm-hmm. and you need to pay attention. Right, to it. Mm-hmm. that's really what's going on. Right. So that's really helpful to me because it's like every other line in the prophets are like, and the sun will be blackened. And you're like, oh, my goodness, how many times is this going to happen? Okay, now I understand what's really going on here. Right, exactly, yeah. 
So here's another section to this, and this is where I kind of broke it down a little bit. This we talked about those; those are the kind of major elements mm. you're going to find mm-hmm. in prophecy. Well, now we're going to talk about the major kinds of prophetic writing. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like how they wrote the the way that they wrote it, and there's way more to this. So this is not exhaustive. Um, nor do you want it to be. <laughs> but here's the first thing. This is from Fee and Stewart. They talk about this idea of lawsuit oracles. And, you know, as soon as I read that, I was like, yeah, that's that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it in uh, Yeah, it's if God Isaiah. is bringing an argument um, to to show his people how they have disobeyed him. Right, you know? right. And so he, he, he acts like look, he's in a courtroom. Have, you have done this, and you have done this, mm-hmm. and you've done, he's giving the evidence of how you've disobeyed. Yep, and so you kind of have this, like a summons, a charge, an evidence of what they've done, and a mm-hmm. verdict. It's very yeah. courtroom-like language. So that's one way mm-hmm. that they would write. You can see Isaiah... Chapter 3, if you wanted to see an example of that, yeah, verse 13 yeah. through 26. Those are a little lengthy, but yeah. if you want to see it, it's it's clear as day. There's also the woe oracles. So this is the form that predicts impending doom. Yeah. This is the announcement. Uh, there's an announcement and a reason why it's going to happen, a prediction or description. You know, and you can look at Habakkuk chapter 2, 6 through 8. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God uses this woe to the people that, dot, 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 you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, and Jesus actually had, there's woes that Jesus yeah. used as well, mm-hmm. so there's prophecy all over the place, but that's one of the major elements that you see is these this woe to, you know, this nation or whatever. Um, and then uh, another one is this promise or salvation oracle, right? So this form usually is explaining how God's not going to give up on his people, how he is going to restore them somehow, usually talking about a remnant. Um, And you will find references to, like, the future, a description of radical change and a blessing for God's people. And there's just numerous—if you just read any of the prophets, any of the prophets, Mm -hmm. you're going to find that sprinkled all throughout. And, uh, and so that's kind of how they would write. And again, there's so much more to this, um, but we want to we wanna focus in on something that I, I personally think is very important in understanding prophecy. And it's this idea, so we're kind of switching gears a little bit. It's this idea of what is called the census plenior or really like the fuller meaning of the text. So what this is dealing with is the idea that prophecy can be fulfilled in an earlier time Mm -hmm. and then can be more fulfilled in a later time. Yes. And so there are different ways to understand this. And one way way is problematic and another way is helpful. Well, it's just like the example that you gave in Joel Joel, where they read in the book of Acts. Yes. There was a prophecy for the time that Joel was in, and that was also a prophecy for the time of the church as well. Yes. And even some of that language and imagery is in times prophecy too. The day, right. this is the day of the Lord. There was a, there was a day right. of the Lord at Pentecost, but the day of the Lord is the end time day of the Lord. They talk about in uh, the book of first uh, Thessalonians. And yes. so, and so we, we see that as a prophecy that was for then, mm-hmm. but then also future. Yeah. And, and this is, this is where things get, complicated and a little bit difficult i think to me everything we've been talking about so far is like oh i get that i get that this is where it's like okay this is god's stuff that Mm -hmm. you know we we just don't fully understand but we're going to do our best Mm -hmm. um so the idea is that prophecy can sometimes mean more uh or or can mean something that the author Mm -hmm. 
didn't necessarily mean to say. That That is a problematic way of thinking about this because what that does is it puts the authority of interpretation solely on the reader, right? So if I'm reading it and I think, well, the, the prophet didn't know this, but this is really what it means. Mm-hmm. Well, then I can make it mean whatever I want. Right. Um, and so that's, that's a problem and that can be, that, that can be really dangerous. So that's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about. We're not talking about just kind of coming up with another meaning. However, there is an understanding that there is more than one fulfillment of the prophecy. That's what we were just saying. This is like a fuller fulfillment or a quote fuller sense um and it but it's not distinct from the author's intended meaning so here, here's let me paint a picture for what's going on here um, or at least explain more so when you read about this people disagree about how this works so fee and stewart and this isn't in my notes so i'm kind of <laughs> going off the cuff here fee and stewart don't really agree uh with stein uh, are two different resources that we're using for this particular episode mm-hmm. they kind of have different takes on this mm-hmm. um Fee and Stewart kind of land in the camp that if there is a greater sense of fulfillment, the only ones who can really pull that out were basically the New Testament writers. Mm. And I don't agree with that because, and I've heard many sermons about this, because Jesus told his disciples, especially when he was resurrected, why did you fail to realize all that Mm -hmm. the scripture said? And so that's where I'm like, I just don't think that it's only the New Testament writers Mm -hmm. who can figure this out. But Stein has a really helpful way of understanding this. What Stein says is that if there is a fuller sense or a fuller fulfillment of a prophecy, it has to be directly connected to the implication of the author's conscious meaning. Right, right. You can't just take it and take that prophecy and and totally allegorize it and make make it like... Something that the author would have never... Never thought of. Yeah. Yes. Well, not ex- that they wouldn't have thought of, but something that's way out of context. Right, right. It has to be connected. It can be. It can even be really like, whoa, that I never thought of that. But So here's a great example. Well, I've heard of... Okay, go, oh, go No, no, what were you going to say? Well, I've just heard of people taking the prophecies about like um, the, the, the locusts or the grasshoppers and these, these crazy creatures and yes, beasts, yes. and they're like, well, that's the Apache helicopters yes, and just things that. like that mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't know that... That's, yeah. Uh, that's a little bit of a stretch for me, yeah. you know, and... and and, you know, I don't know, maybe, but but there's not enough evidence there to convince me that we need to make these giant leaps. Right. No, I, I'm, yeah, that's exactly right. And and whenever you see it, you you really recognize it. So here's a, an example. So 1 Corinthians 9.9, 9, which is quoting Deuteronomy 25.4. So New Testament quoting Old Testament. And this is what Paul says. He says, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. <laughs> it is for oxen that God is, con- is this for oxen that God is concerned? So Paul talks about this Old Testament law, right? This, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And he is saying, you should support your pastors. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he's saying. Right. You support, should support your ministry uh, people um, financially. Well, he's using this as an illustration to mm-hmm. them. Meaning that yes, God was in was talking about oxen. the oxen, mm-hmm. but he used an illustration to talk about the pastoral office because as well. that is a direct implication. And we've talked about how implications work. That's mm-hmm. a direct implication from what that means. Right. So we know what it originally meant in Deuteronomy, and it's a clear implication in. 
1 Corinthians 9. Right. Uh, Isaiah 7, 14 is another example. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Uh, Isaiah 7, yeah. Uh, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, if you know anything about this, you know that that is actually talking about Isaiah's son. Mm. It's talking about Isaiah's son who was going to be born, and that they were going to name him Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And the word there for virgin can mean a young maiden. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that that word can also mean literally virgin. Right. So there is a direct implication here. There is there is the sense there mm-hmm. that we all know when we read that. Like, that's talking about Jesus. It's talking about both. Mm-hmm. That's what's cool right. is it's actually talking about both. And you see that in uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 when it's the promise to David and his son sitting on the throne forever. Who is that talking about? Solomon. Mm-hmm. Wait, I thought it was talking about Jesus. Well, it is talking about Jesus because it has implications that Solomon could never fulfill, mm-hmm. that only Jesus could fulfill. It's talking about both. Right. I think we miss something if we don't understand the the, the now context and the, the future context. Yep. A lot of times we jump to just the future context, but understanding the now helps to root it in the author's meaning there. Yes. It's rooted in a guarantee of, of true historical past. Right. You know, that to me is so exciting to see, like... I can hold on to the future because this prophecy has already been fulfilled and it is in the the fullness of its fulfillment in Christ is what I get to look forward to when Christ returns. Right. And that's where we take some of the mystery out of out of prophecy. And I think this helps us when we get to the book of Revelation. Exactly. I think this is something that we have a we we have a problem with revelation. Yes. We we are addicted to to trying to um misinterpret or make more out of revelation Mysticize it, yeah. right right than than what we need and so you know there are revelation is a prophecy it's a particular genre where it's talking about uh, apocalyptic or mm-hmm. end times type prophecy yeah right but there's different elements in it right so we see the apocalyptic um we see prophecy we see a letter right. we see part of it as an epistle a letter to the churches there yeah. in, which in we're going to be talking about i think our next episode is about epistles Correct. Is that right so yeah there's like there are unique aspects to the book of revelation mm-hmm. but but that's just what makes it seem so complicated right um it's not as complicated as it seems but but there are there are things to it that you know we'll find out when Jesus comes. Right. But here's and the thing. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, you go. Well, the, the primary meaning. So this is what Fee and Stewart help us with. They say the primary meaning of the revelation is what John intended it to mean. So we hear the same principle. What did it mean? Which in turn must also have been something his readers could have understood it to mean. Right. So so really, when we are looking at Revelation, we need to ask ourselves, what did the first century church mm-hmm. here what was what was john saying to them mm-hmm. now once we know what that was then we can say ah now i know what it means right and me. there was some and there was some uh you know th- there are many ways to interpret it and i think i think it's a mix when you look at the book of revelation because you are you are thinking about the first century church there's a lot of prophecy being fulfilled in, yeah. in within nero yes and he's preparing the hearts of the church for this great martyrdom and giving them hope for the future is yeah. is what the book of Revelation is is all about. That's right. um, calling them to godliness so that they can they can 
stay close to God and and survive this intense persecution that's about to happen. Yeah. So there's a lot that the early church would have would have would have thought about and realized in their immediate context. Yep. Okay. Now as we look forward, we know there's imagery even <clears throat> going all the way out to the end times. And so we have to read that and know that that was written for them in that time. The Roman government was a real thing, a real mm-hmm. threat for, for killing Christians. That's still happening today. Right. We can still see that even today in some in some countries. And then we can look on into the future and know that there's an end times meaning there as well. That's right. What we have to be careful with is putting too much on the things that we don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, people focus in on... The, the, the imagery of like the beast, the mark yeah. of the beast, um, the dragon, the woman, you know, all of these types of things. And what um, what John is trying to convey is not that we're looking for specific people. We're not mm-hmm. looking. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, some it, of the, sometimes it is and sometimes, sometimes it's it not, is. Yeah. But it's but it's funny because we want to immediately say, who is the Antichrist? Right. You know, and throughout history, it's like the Antichrist is Nero and the Antichrist mm-hmm. is the Catholic Church and the Antichrist well, is. Yeah. Uh, Saddam Hussein and the Antichrist but, is but uh, the problem on and on and on. A lot of that is that in most of these writings, many of them, not all, and that's why it is confusing. I'm not going to say it's easy. I don't understand it all. But John often interprets his own images. Yeah. So like many times when like the trumpets are blasting and it's like this crazy thing is happening, he says what it mm-hmm. is. And you just have to pay attention yeah. to that and recognize that a lot of it is imagery. Right. It's not a literal thing. Yeah, and what I want to say is the people that that we are calling out antichrist may have the spirit of the antichrist. They exactly. may be they may be against uh Christ and and the gospel and the work of God. Um but but I don't think we need to sit there and call everyone the Antichrist, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the points John is trying to make is God has created this, or, or not created, but God exists in this holy trinity. And we see Satan trying to um, really up, mimic, that, yeah. mimic that and up up upend God's reign and rule, which he can never do. But, but he's attempting he's to do that through his own unholy trinity. Right. And what he's trying to put forth. And so we do see this this part of the reason we can't fully grasp Revelation is because it is this sort of cosmic spiritual battle that that is beyond sort of like the 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 natural sort of world that we see. Yes. But um, so so go ahead. What were you going to well, say? Well, no, I'm, I'm I not lost trying. My to, train I don't thought. want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, well, this is something that I think is helpful because because it, it all ends up getting so difficult because it's so much imagery. Um. The thing that I don't want to do, I don't want to be like the Pharisees who saw Jesus and they missed him right. because they weren't they weren't thinking about all that the scriptures had said. Right. So what I don't want to do is come to Revelation and say, I know exactly what this means. Exactly. Because then what's going to happen is when it comes, when Jesus comes again or when things are unfolding, mm-hmm. I won't see them because I am going to be so narrow focused on what I already think it means. Right, right. They I, thought they were looking for a king who's going to come in and conquer, and they missed the Messiah. Right, right. And I do think there are some major themes and messages you can look at Revelation. You can say, first of all, we know Jesus is, is returning. pretty clear, yeah. We know Jesus <laughs> yeah, is returning. That's right. <laughs> we know he is a conquering king that, that no matter what circumstances, no matter how these things play out in reality with, yeah. with the Antichrist and all these types of things, Jesus is going to conquer it. Yep. He's going to take care of That's it. He's right. going to return. It's going to be okay. Yeah. 
He's going, there's a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, these are the major themes that come out of the book of Revelation. It's a comfort to, yes. to believers. It was meant, this vision, God gave this vision as a grace to the early church. Right. And I think that's really important for us to grasp hold of today and look at it in that vein. This was a grace to the early church because they were faced, I mean, literally, if you read about what yeah. Nero did yeah. to the Christians, like... It, it was hor- it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. We're talking. He made some of them into human candles. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, this is this is terrible. Yeah. And so he, the early church, was facing immense persecution. So God is saying, "Listen, do not give up. Yeah. Do not lose hope. There is a you know, I have a plan at, here. I am sovereign at, over everything. Look at the majesty and the power of your king. right. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm coming back. Yeah. So man, that's exciting. Uh, I'm I'm getting. Excited just talking. About we could that. talk about that a lot more. I know, right? And so we have to limit, <laughs> we need to limit our talk uh-huh. on the book of Revelation because I am pretty passionate about yeah. people's overzealousness yes. to look at prophecy and, and, and like well, we identify want, each and every. Yeah. We want people thing. to focus on Jesus, right. not, not the, the things. Sometimes you can almost. Oh, man. You can almost lose sight of the important things by focusing on... You lose the forest for the trees. Right. Um, and that's why it's important. Not to say the trees aren't important. Not to say that these details aren't important. I know guys who go deep into this, but mm-hmm. what they're able to do, the thing that we all need to be able to do is come back and say, what is this really... What, what's the point? What are yes. we really getting at here? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Jesus, right? Yes. And so let's talk I will say about, if you're interested and you want to get more into Revelation... Um, I will say that there's a, a commentary, the Christ-centered exposition commentary written by Albert Moeller is a great commentary that helps us to focus on Jesus. Yeah. It keeps our it keeps our minds, yes. like you're saying, focused on the Lord and puts us in a in a good frame of reference to look at Revelation with with that in focus. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Okay, so kind of landing the plane here, you know, when we want to interpret prophecy, mm-hmm. we understand a lot of this stuff. We want to interpret it. Here's kind of the keys that you gotta just keep in mind, right? First, you got to understand the historical context. Like that's basically anytime you're trying to interpret anything, <laughs> understand the historical context. Um, next, you want to understand the occasion of the writing. Rem- remember, mm-hmm. you need to know when it was written, who it was written to, why it was being written, especially with prophecy. That's very important. Mm-hmm. The The major thing we talked about today is you got to remember the primary function and form of yes. prophecy. Mm-hmm. You got to know how prophecy works what its purpose is, what it's trying to do, mm-hmm. and then you need to understand, like, what what kind of prophetic oracle am I reading here? Is this yeah. a salvation one? Is this a, you know? And then yeah. you need to get some really good resources. Yeah, because there is <laughs> a tendency to misinterpret or go off track, you do need to find some good resources. And in our last episode, um, we're planning on talking about what a kind of basic yeah. Bible study library could look like mm-hmm. and uh, having some resources there. So yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, good ones. The, I, Fee and, and Stuart recommended basically a Bible dictionary and a really mm. good commentary. And I say even some maps. Well, <laughs> I found um, the, the Holman Bible Handbook yeah. is very is very helpful. They talked about the handbooks too, yeah. And I will say, like like for a one volume type thing that has like maps and timelines yeah. and, and historical context stuff. And I will say I found this out in my research for one of our other episodes that the um Holman Bible handbook on lifeway.com right now at the time of recording, okay, at I don't the time know of recording, yeah. is only seven dollars and fifty cents. This is this is a steal. Okay. Normally, I think this book is like twenty-five or thirty bucks. So, um, if you have the opportunity, call in the next three hours, and you can. (laughs) I don't make any money from this. This is not an advertisement. 
But if you can go to lifeway.com and get the Holman Bible handbook, yeah. that will help that's you huge. in your study. That's that's really good. Yeah, like I love the Holman uh, Bible Dictionary. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. That, that oh man, it's just so helpful. So many times uh, it just So they, they exactly have more, ex- like, you know, we talked about in the study Bible, how it's got the, the mm-hmm. audience and the occasion. In the handbook, there's more. Yeah. There, yeah. There's more about each book of Lots the Bible. Lots of details, yeah. It's yeah. really it's really fun. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the keys to interpreting really anything, but especially you know prophecy here. And so when we wrap all of this up, what are we getting at, Brian? Yeah, I I really think it's important that the overall theme of prophecy is is teaching us to trust God, that to turn back to Him and to remain in Him. So it's like you said when we talked about the Old Testament prophecy, what were they trying to do? They, the people had strayed from God. Mm-hmm. Come back to God. Turn back to Him. No matter what circumstances you're facing, no matter, you know, e- even though God is saying, like, for instance, um, in uh, the book of Jeremiah, where God is saying, you're going to face a 70-year mm-hmm. exile in Babylon. This is part of the punishment. This is part of what, what mm-hmm. I'm going to do to teach you to remain faithful to me. You're going to be exiled. All of this, mm-hmm. all of this is for your good. All of this is a part of God's plan. So do not worry. Do not fear. Trust me. Yeah. And that's the same thing that we see in the book of Revelation. And I want people to understand, God gave us this so we don't fear. Yeah. We don't have to worry. Yeah. God is is telling us to trust him. No matter what circumstances we face, no matter if one day you face yourself martyrdom, if you face putting your faith on the line for the Lord. You can you can go against any circumstance. You can go against anything and not be afraid because God is there. Yeah. Turn to him. Stay close to Jesus. Walk Man, in faith. Aren't you so glad? Like, I was just thinking about this. Like, aren't you so glad that God has prepared us for life? Because think about it. I mean, think about people in other nations that that did not have uh, this prophecy. They had other their own, you know, godless prophet, prophets and, you know, oracles and stuff. But they didn't have the comfort of knowing that their God is actually in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they really didn't have that. Right. Everyone in the world lives a hard life. Yes. Aren't you so glad that we know that God is with us and he's going to be with us and get us through to the end? Right. Like, that's Amen. just so good. So I'm thankful for the prophets. I'm thankful for the hardships they endured to these tell books, us. Yeah, these books message. are a grace to us. I yeah. think we have to see this and understand. God did not just leave us. He didn't just say, you broken my covenant. Now, Bye. boom, yeah. you're punished. He gave so much grace yeah. and so much mercy. You see it throughout the the writings of the prophets. God is a is a merciful and loving yeah. and gracious God. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm so thankful. So hopefully we can all... Learn from that, take comfort in that, yeah. and uh, and walk through whatever you're going through today, knowing that, uh, well, first of all, just look at the prophets. They probably went through worse stuff than yes. you're going through. Yeah. Um, but then second, to know that God's with you. That's right. And and he's going to get you through. That's just right. Just turn to him. Mm-hmm. So we're so glad that you listened. We hope this has been encouragement and helpful to you. Hope that you're able to uh, understand the Bible better because of this. And we we'll hope you'll join us for the next episode. Yep. And so thanks for thanks listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see, see you next time. time. When you're trying to do something, your phone freezes. I don't know. Because you have an Android. Oh, God. (laughs) No.
That's not true. God, <laughs> your iPhone never has problems ever. Basically not. Whatever. And I go to like when I go to bed at night, I always brag to Kayla at what my battery level is, and such it's a usually lie. like 75 percent. Such a lie. It's straight up honest. Apple has the same problems. I know people. <laughs> I read online. That's why they have a the the Genius Bar. The genius bar. What a, there was a meme. What a terrible name. Hold on. There was a meme about Android. Genius. And it was like, uh, it was from, oh yeah, it was Back to the Future. And it was the scene where uh, Marty is with his mom's family. And uh, and he's like, he says something like, oh yeah, I, I love those things. And uh, and the kid is like, what do you mean you love those things? They just came out. And it was like talking about Android. It was Android users being like, oh, yeah, I love that. And it was iPhone users oh, yeah, being like, yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. mean? It just came out. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, touche. 